I'm Bishop Daly from the Diocese of Spokane here in Eastern Washington, and joining me in the Bishop and Vickers is Father Darren Connell, the Vicar General and Rector of Our Lady of Lords Cathedral. Good day, everyone. Why are you always first? Uh, well, he's he's I'm mother, the mothership from the mother church. The mother church. Uh, Father Brian Mee, uh, Pastor St. Augustine's and Vicar for Finance. And last but not well, least, Father I, Pat I Kirst. Well, second. well, you're now third. <laughs> okay. Father Pat Kirst, the pastor of St. Thomas More Parish and a native of St. Mary in the Valley. For you trivia fans. And I'm a native of Sacred Heart Parish. Nobody okay. asked. Nope. Yes. All sacred. And, and I am a native of <laughs> Everyone's Spokane. minority now. If you're 1,024. <laughs> okay. okay. This is not the rating sweeps. We're all minorities <laughs> Speaking now. of that, we're here to talk about, as you know, there's been a lot of uh, controversy here in the United States over... Uh, Justice uh, Kavanaugh's nomination. We see this within not only politics and the civic arena, but in the church and local communities. Uh, just there was a clip about um, parents uh, fighting at their son's uh, peewee football game somewhere, I think, in Pennsylvania. And where is the civility that uh, should guide us in our discussions? Um, lest we uh, take up arms or something something like that. Uh, Father Connell. Well, you were mentioning the Kavanaugh hearings, and I was uh, watching an interview um, <clears throat> of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg the other day, and um, it was very interesting that in, you know she was making the point that in a, just a short period of time, the civility of that process, of that confirmation process, has has really, you know, gone into the ditch. Uh, and she said, uh, you know, she, I think she reminded everyone that she was um, supported by 93 members of the Senate. So, you know, the vast majority of the Senate voted for her confirmation. Uh, and it was a you know, relatively smooth uh, process for her. Um, but she uh, lamented how the process is now and, um, and, and thinks, you know, that's an example of some of the, the poison that's been injected into our our politics, and she was, um, uh, you know, she, she she longed for the days of of greater civility that existed not that long ago when she was confirmed. Well, one of the uh, insights that you claimed to have come up yourself, but it's it's in other circles, was we can disagree without being disagreeable. But have we? It's a bumper sticker. It's a bumper sticker to go with uh, the other Kia. one. Um, uh, you know, what was anyway? Um, <laughs> but what have you? You've seen it. You think it goes back to the lack of respect, the dignity of the human person. Have we lost that, Father Me? Do you think uh, not just in politics, but sometimes even our, in the parish settings that people take pot shots? They used to send, you know, before email. Now people send nasty emails, and now it's transferred over to actual interaction with people. Well, I think um, I think we think civility begins in the body politic. Somehow, the body politic determines what civility is. And that's kind of political correctness. But civility, at least in Western civilization, has always come from what uh, stands behind civility is that our Christianity is our faith. And we're civil to one another because of what we believe that other to be. They're made in the image and likeness of God. So you, we were talking earlier about examples of um, you know, ones who can overcome their uh, disagreements, and I, I use the example of um, a saint from the 11th century, St. John Galbert. He was a Florentine noble, and um, one of the enemies of, the, you know, the, of his family 
killed his brother Hugo. So in turn, uh, John Galbert believed that he had to take vengeance against this enemy of his family. And so he swore himself to that, that he would, he would kill this man as soon as he saw him. And he saw him uh, one good Friday, and the man ran down an alley. And John Galbert followed him, and the man fell on his knees. And John Galbert drew his sword to impale this man on his sword. And uh, the man, suddenly he says, for the sake of Jesus Christ, who died for us this day, have pity on me. And that caused a conversion in John Galbert. He went on to become a, a saint uh, and a Benedictine monk. But the point being that uh, we have to look beyond just what's in ourselves. For John Galbert in that moment, he had to look beyond um, the pride of his family or vengeance for the sake of his family and recognize that what really draws us to be civil to one another is uh, we're looking beyond ourselves, we're looking to what God has made us to be, what he calls us to be, and what he makes others to be in the image of God. And therefore, uh, just as we would treat any sacred object uh, with reverence and respect, so we are to do with one another. And what even Go ahead. And even sometimes <clears throat> those, if something, if you take the definition of sacred being set apart rather than you know something religious or related to God, I remember, you know, as a kid, when you walked into the house, uh, you had your baseball cap on, your cap had to come off. It just was, home was, was different. It was set apart. It wasn't profane. There was something different about the home. that You just, you never had a baseball cap on inside the house. And I remember this past summer, uh, we took uh, the priests of, uh, at the cathedral, took Father Sean Thompson to, out to dinner uh, as he received his new assignment and congratulating him and thanking him for his service to the cathedral. And we went to, uh, we wanted to go to a very nice place, so we went to Churchill's. And um, I noticed as when we were sitting there in that lovely dining room and uh, that wonderful food, uh, looking around, the number of people, uh, men in shorts, cutoffs, jeans, t-shirts, and men who were wearing baseball caps. Uh, and this wasn't McDonald's or something like that. We couldn't do that anyway, but it was a it was a, a special time for us and for Father Sean, and um, it just uh, it was just an example of of how the profane has has uh, it crept in upon that which is sacred and, and set apart. And I do think that that is related to a lack of, of civility, an erosion of of civility. When 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 we lose that sense of the sacred, that some things are set apart, holy and different. Even something as a a nice restaurant or a meal or the home, um, there are consequences for that. Well, it's engaging other persons with, with respect and, and recognize their dignity. And as Father Me was saying, our faith is a, is a wonderful foundation for having that kind of holy interaction with people. And, and I think it takes shape in, in parish life very vividly. I, I can't remember in 28 years ever being at a pastoral council meeting that was not civil. Not that people didn't disagree and have different opinions and so forth. What's now that might wow. that may not be everybody's <laughs> oh my, yeah. that may not be everybody's experience. Uh, looking at the face, usually the, me, my, my experience as the as the <laughs> bishop is it's only in those parishes where the pastor is seen as a holy man. Oh, well, that would explain that, 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 that would explain it. why that Father Me has never had a parish council <laughs> that was. <laughs> but, but but just engaging people with respect and as human persons, the bishop mentioned early on about uh, it's very visible how there's oftentimes a lack of civility and political discourse among politicians. And maybe everybody's heard the anecdote that back in the day, these people would come together from the different 
political parties and they'd be at, at their Congress, whatever they were in, their senators or representatives, fighting all day long, disagreeing. And then afterwards, they'd go to the same place and have a beer together. They'd engage people as people. And, and now they say that never happens. They, they, they go their separate ways. They fight all day from their ideologies and then walk out of the room and they walk different ways on the street and don't engage each other as people. What has been the turning point for this change? I mean, we, we could say that there's a, you know, kind of a lack of respect uh, as beloved sons and daughters of God. Is this the secularization of America that, you know, guided, it, guided us in how we treated people? I always thought in Catholic schools, we don't have to appeal to the latest psychological trend. We just say that this is not how Jesus would treat want us to treat people. That cuts to everything about a, a basic dignity and respect. Is it the growing secularism? Is it the casualness? Is it, can we trace it back to your thought, Father Me, uh, everybody should have a casual Friday uh, in, in approach to the church? Well, I think um, it does eventually get back to you know, our faith and where that's coming from, but we live in a culture, we forget, you know, we're, we're so myopic in our view that we think only today matters, but we come from a civilization that for 2,000 years has been permeated with Christianity that in little ways that we may not even notice, uh, we're affected by, um, or we learn to behave towards others through that Christian um, perspective. So that even something as simple as what Father Connell brought up, and it was simple, was uh, <laughs> wearing a cap in the house, which I, there's pictures of him wearing a cap in his house. But taking that, that was a toupee. Taking that off. Do you take your toupee off when you go home? Easy. Yeah. But that shows a sense of reverence in the house, just as you would do that in the church as well. Or some other little thing. Uh, it used to be that uh, children would call their elders Mr., Mrs., Miss. But now it's all, we're just all on the same level. So we're all, you know, Joe, Gene, whatever, it doesn't matter. But I think, and it may seem like an insignificant thing, but it taught that child, this is someone other than me, mm -hmm. just not like me, but this is someone other. And uh, I need to show this person respect. And that's all, uh, so many of those little examples and etiquette uh, have broken down that I think those have uh, been splintered has caused us to kind of splinter and we don't know how even to show respect uh, in conversation and in, in uh, etiquette and behavior. But when yeah. you went to uh, St. Augustine's, excuse me, you introduced yourself, my name is Brian and I'll be serving you for a long time. Was that the way you introduced yourself to your the waiter? Your yeah. waiter for a long I'll be time? <laughs> I'll be your waiter. Well, that's yeah. another, in restaurants, how often is it, now here, I, get it. <laughs> I don't get to Churchill's, I do go to You were at Country Smorgies <laughs> House of Ribs. But even so, uh, how many times does a waiter come up and say to people that are obviously in their 60s and 70s uh, and say, hi guys, rather mm -hmm. than addressing them uh, with the respect that they, they should have. Or another thing is, um, they give you a drink and you say thank you, and how did they respond now? No worries? No, no problem. As is, well, it certainly shouldn't be a problem. You are here to serve <laughs> this drink to me. So all those things, I think, add to an incivility. You know, last night we had uh, RCIA at the cathedral, uh, the Mother, Mother Church, Church of the Diocese. And uh, 
the I was speaking with the the participants and they were speaking amongst uh, themselves and it just stu stuck out for me. One of the young men said in response, "Yes, sir," or "No, ma'am," mm -hmm. and I thought to myself, "This this guy must be from the Mil Air Force, military, or, yeah, from from the military." And how just how how jarring it was to have him show that respect to other people. He ended everything with "Sir" and "Ma'am." Yes, ma'am. No, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. I mean, it was a uh, yeah, it was it interesting. Was, it was uh, noticeable. Well, the the early church wasn't uh, exempt from a lack of civility. What one of the gatherings of the early leaders of the, the church, perhaps the bishops, got in a fight and they were pulling each other's beards. Oh. Uh, what was that? <laughs> well, there's a great one, but there's only a few seconds. Left, okay. Well, when we get to that, we'll we'll get uh, Mr. Whoopi's magic geography and time machine, and we can talk about that. <laughs> and we'll talk about why clerics should not have beards today. Uh, After so, the uh, Third uh, Council uh, of Baltimore. Yeah. talking about civility not only in politics and in the arena of the church and families, uh, but in society as a whole. And, and before the break, uh, Father Me was talking about um, there was a disagreement in the early church. Was it Athanasius? And uh, who was he? And they, I'm told by Bishop Barber that they pulled each other's beards. Oh, well, uh, I was... I, well, were no, you I was speaking about that, or was that a fight between Ignatius and Francis Xavier? I'm sure there were uh, pulling beards as well, but the, what I was referring to or what I was thinking about was, um, you know, of course, uh, that reverence, that respect towards the show for one another is always the ideal that we're to aim at, but even great saints can fall short on that as well. And back in the fourth century, as um, all of you will remember, there was a great Arian <coughs> heresy. And Arianism was not uh, recognizing the divinity of Christ or not as divine as a father. In any case, Athanasius was the one who stood firm with the orthodox position of Christ is divine. Now, Arius, who the heresy receives its name from, uh, proclaimed that no, Christ is not divine. And he was on his way to Constantinople to defend his teaching that Christ is not divine. Well, it happened along the road to Constantinople that he began to have uh, a bout of something, and his bowels literally blew up. Okay, <laughs> this uh, was a family uh, show. Yeah. Just a moment ago. Oh, there. I'm not done. It oh. blew, blew up, and that was the end of Arius, and uh, kind of that took the wind <laughs> out, so out of the heresy right? as well. Yeah. But Athanasius uh, couldn't help, but he just found that grand. Um, so, I mean, even great saints can, you know, have off days or... Um, Arius's bowel blew, blew, uh, blew Okay, up. back on. All right, commercial time. All yeah. right. So that's all I have to say, okay. Bishop. Okay. Uh, okay, well, this uh, show has really gone in the gutter. Uh, let's pass the snacks. Let's pull this baby out. Um, wow. How do you, in your, in your parish schools, how do you think we are... Do we effectively teach our young people... About uh, holding to truth, but respecting the fact that not everybody agrees. Well, I, I, I think that uh, I was just speaking with the principal about this yesterday, uh, and how um, one of the things that I think that contributes to a lack of civility is the the accessibility to 
uh, social media, email, texts, and things that people will say things uh, or write things, send things uh, through electronic media that they would never say if you were sitting at the same table mm -hmm. across from each other, and how people feel empowered as they're sitting there alone in their at their keyboard. Again, just to to be uh, rude and cruel and and um, and they're, they're, so I think that has contributed uh, as well. And one of the things that happens in, in social media is that all too often people assign motives to actions. They mm -hmm. and and then they they say this is the reason you did that. You don't like my kid. You think I'm fat. You, you know they assign motives that are not there. And they wouldn't do that. I don't think if they were having a face to face conversation. We see this in things that come into the office of, of the bishop, uh, exactly that. Uh, people who write things, uh, again, believing that they know the whole story. And I think we've seen that when you help uh, as pastors uh, and parents, good parents will want to know the whole story. But the way to f effectively find a resolution is not by attacking the individual, either some uh, flaw that they may have that knows is a weakness. Um, we... Um, we as the church, I believe, have uh, the right uh, to, to have a prophetic voice, to Father Connell's phrase, in guiding our society and dealing with everything from this, the current uh, issue that is facing us about uh, a scandal and, and um, how do we regain that so that we don't have another circus uh, or a lynch mob or the image of pitchforks and torches when we are trying to help people find uh, solutions to, to problems and difficulties. We have, of course, the gospel and guidance by Christ, but how do, how do we tactfully do that to make sure that our parishes don't reflect the division that we're seeing in society? Any solutions as pastors of uh, parishes before one of you or all of you are moved? You mentioned you know, what we do in our Catholic schools and religious education program and so forth to help form the children. And you know, we talk about what's, what's an example of lack of civility. Well, what happens in schools? Bullying. And it didn't just fall off the turnip truck, but now there have to be policies about bullying, and and then you have to define it. One person's bullying is is another person's teasing, is another person's I didn't do anything, and so forth, and and so it it becomes something that is very deliberately done, I think, within programs of our parishes, and is helping people grow in virtue. You you become virtuous by practicing virtue. So you say, here's here's the virtuous way to go. The taking the high road, as was said. In, in some other context, and and it sometimes this sort of when we encounter disrespectful behavior amongst uh, students, as we've talked about another in another forum, sometimes that's a reflection of of parents. Uh, we talked Bishop about parents fighting at their kid's soccer game or something. Mm -hmm. That uh, you know is that the proper way to respond when people get emotional or have have something contentious come up? Do you just do you have a fist fight? Do you uh, you know, call people names. Well, we would say no. There's a, a holy way to deal with this, and in, in, uh, respecting another person. I think um, old 16th century writer Giovanni della Casa. I'm sure. Um, uh, that's a restaurant. Recall, that's a restaurant yeah, in North I, Beach in San Francisco. Della Casa. I get his tweets. Carbonara. Wow. Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> his work was Gal Galateo, and it, basically it was mm. this old Henri curmudgeon of an uncle giving advice on etiquette to. Uh, his nephew. And so it had some real gems in it. One of the things he would say was, uh, never speak um, according to what's going to give you pleasure, but what will please the one that you're speaking to. Not in the sense of 
um, you know, being patronizing towards that other, but always speaking in such a way, even though you disagree with that person, that um, what how you speak to them is in a way that would please them to receive that. But you know, the other part, I think, too, is uh, we... So, Bishop, back to your thing. I think just some simple classes in what used to be uh, speech classes in debate. Well, how do you debate an issue and even taking the argument from the other side of where you believe, you know, what you believe, but learning to see a view from a different uh, point and learning what type of arguments cannot be used that when you debate ideas. There's not to be ad hominem arguments, that meaning those arguments against, oh yeah, well you're a racist, you know, that's a quick one today, mm -hmm. or you're a yeah. sexist. Well, that that is uh, diverting from what the, the argument or what the um, issue being debated is. So I, I think just some, in a school situation, especially returning to some of those type of courses uh, that instruct in how you can uh, debate, how you can disagree, um, but in, you know, in a way that you're not offending uh, the one that you're debating. Well, is that, it seems it's gotten to the point now when if you do say something, uh, we see this in, with the church. You know, when the church uh, maintains uh, what we believe, what Jesus taught, for example, a controversial topic here, marriage between a man and a woman, uh, now, if you, I know that's controversial, but if you party say one, something uh, yeah. that it's, uh, now you're a bigot. And I know from, from our executive producer, uh, Mary Richards, uh, Hillary Hammett, <laughs> we spoke about in the circles of friends. Uh, you, you cannot, uh, on certain topics, and that's just one of them, without being reduced to saying someone's, someone's a bigot. And uh, that doesn't allow for a proper discourse or, or conversation. Not that anyone has to, um, to change another person, but I believe that as a nation, we, and we talked about this in our earlier, about the church, finding ways to, fi to be unified. Um, we were in the Encuentro. Father Kirst and I were down with uh, several other priests and, and uh, deacon and young, young adult uh, talking about in Quentra what unites us. And we, we are united by our Catholic Christian faith. Now there are those things that, that, we, that are different because of our ethnic heritage and other elements of that. But have we lost, I think, as, as American people and as Catholics, a sense of what we have in common? Are we only focusing now on the differences, namely what, how we view things? Your thoughts on that? Well, if we have, it, it, it's, well, I don't know, tragic's too strong a word, but it's very sad because one of the words that always pops to mind when I think of, well, what, what would I say about the Catholic Church? The first word that usually comes to mind is that we're big. Not just big in numbers, but we're big and there's a, a lot of room for, for different um, thoughts, opinions, and, and expressions of our faith and so forth. And and you know, obviously there are parameters, there are things that, that uh, fall outside the limit, but within the limits there's a lot of ways of expressing our faith and a lot of ways of praying and, and, and a lot of ways of serving. And when just one, or, one of those gets picked as the one that this is authentic Catholic faith and everything else is, is inauthentic, then we've got a problem. And, and that's not respecting the bigness of our faith, the bigness of our God. Um, I think too, Perhaps we need to be reminded that slandering another is a sin. 
and uh, we don't think about that enough. Mm. And um, there's two types of slander. There's just even the um, same things that detract from the reputation of another. Like, oh, well, Father Connell, you know, he's a good man, but, Easy. you know, and then, and, or where's calumny, where you actually are saying things that are against that other person, that we as Catholics, as Christians, uh, that is a sinful behavior, and especially when you think, here we are, we receive the Blessed Sacrament in our mouth, you know, we receive the incarnate word. Uh, in a way, our mouths become a tabernacle, and mm. coming forth from our mouth is not to be things vile, but that which is sacred from the you tabernacle of our mouth. That's very interesting. I, you don't hear about uh, the sin of detraction. I mean, I, I just, that word popped into my head, uh, and that I don't think people realize that even to, to repeat something about someone else that is true, if it's negative and doesn't need to be said, it's a sin of detraction. There's no reason to say that, and it is actually a sin. I mean, um, so when you say things about me that are bad, Father they, me. They need to be said, though. Those are, <laughs> well, the, the truth will set us free. As we get ready to wrap this show up, I'd like to close with a quote from C.S. Lewis, which I think will describe a bit of what we're experiencing and what we hope to change. C.S. Lewis said, we hear a great deal about the rudeness of the rising generation. I'm an old Ulster myself, and I might be expected to take the old sir's side. But in fact, I have been far more impressed by the bad manners of parents to children than by those of children to parents. Who has not been the embarrassed guest at a family meal where the father or mother treated their grown-up offspring with an incivility which, offered to any other young people, would simply turn into the acquaintance? Dogmatic assertions on matters which the children understand and their elders don't. Ruthless interruptions, flat contradictions, ridicule of things that the young take seriously, sometimes of their religion, insulting references to their friends, all provide an easy answer to the question, why are they always out? Why do they like every house better than their home? Who does not prefer civility to barbarism? Amen. We thank you for listening to the Bishop and Vickers. And, and now we're going to yell at each other. Yes. <laughs> God bless. Thank you.